People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right, this is an episode I've been looking forward to for weeks. Um, we have a magician on the line with us today, Matt Four, I think from Georgia. Is that right, Matt? I am from Johnson City, Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee. It was that accent. Yeah. I thought it was Georgia. Anyway. Right, um, it's the accent. A lot of people think I'm from Australia. And then I say, no, it's actually East Tennessee. So it's, it's easy to confuse. There you go. There you go. But Matt Four. um... We've never met in person, but I've fallen in love with this dude over the years. He came to a, a magic convention in Northern Virginia, and I had a gig. I couldn't go to the, um, his lecture and his performance. And when I got there, I was asking my friends, what I miss? What I miss? And everybody was just hands down, Matt Four is what you missed. So uh, I told my buddy to pick up a whole bunch of stuff. I got your DVD. I watched it and immediately found you on Facebook and befriended you and... Checked out your seminars, your weekly talks. I, I love everything about you, man. I can tell you're a worker. You know, so many people in our line of work uh, just talk a bunch of game. And I know you're legit and you're real and you're awesome and cool. So, everybody, it's Matt Four. Well, well thank you, Wes. And I think we should just uh, end the podcast right here. <laughs> I think you basically said it all. And uh, let's just wrap it up. So. There you go. There you go. No, man, yeah. your, your DVD was awesome. And, uh, Thank you. you know, the way they were videotaping and everything, you felt like you were in the ballroom and those laughs were real. They weren't forced. Your audience had a blast. And that's well, awesome. you know, I tell you, I tell you, Wes, that's, that's really what that particular DVD is about. It's called Comedy Routines. Is that the one you're talking about? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Comedy Routines. And what I wanted to do with that, there is a lot of magic on it. I, I do teach a lot of magic, but there are. Uh, a number of things on that DVD that I don't actually teach you how to do it. You probably already know how to do it. What I want to show people is how to take that and make it fun and funny and entertaining. And what I find, and I know what you find too, is that while magicians and entertainers very often focus so much on the, the magic itself, what our event planners the CEOs, the people that bring us in, what they want is a show that leaves the audience laughing and applauding, and they want to hear that's the best event we've ever had. They don't really, I mean, you, we can focus on all kinds of card slides and rope slides and things, but the bottom line is, are they, are they really happy? You know, when they say, wow, that's just the best we've ever had, you know that person is going to book you again. And so that's that's really what that DVD is about. It's how to make things super entertaining. And I, I think that's the money shot <laughs> right there. Well, and also, I mean, uh, I, when I do my marketing lectures and things, I tell people, you know, take pictures of the crowd. Take pictures of people smiling. Uh, take pictures of the room. Because the event planner and the people hiring you for the gig, 80% of the time don't see the show. So, I mean, that's, that's, their, right. that's their thing about – that's their proof that people were having fun. Um, that's right that's right and and it takes a good photographer because i've had a lot of shows where there's a photographer the the crowd is wonderful and i say can you send me some pictures 
and they do. And I'm just, it's just me standing on stage. Yeah. I mean, it's like you wouldn't even know an audience was there. Right, right. Well, see, I saw my wife. I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, there's the J.C. Penny catalog where you got somebody dressed up in a suit like they're throwing a football. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's useless. So you end up throwing them out. So I tell people, I had a gig the other night. I said, look, and I explained to them, and, and this is a, a tip that really entertainers could take and use. I tell the photographer, the videographer, I say, look, this is what's going to happen in the show. I do this and this and this. And when you see this happen, that is usually a place where I get a big laugh. And I'll say, if you can be ready when you see that happen. And I, you have to instruct them because they're not entertainers. They don't know what to look for. And if you can zoom in, if you could get a crowd of people just rolling, laughing, man, that is gold. So you have to kind of teach them. Well, and then they get so distracted in the show themselves because they've never seen your show and they don't want to miss a moment. So I've had that too. That's right. So, <laughs> so I'm blessed that I have the camera down by their side. I'm blessed that I have Natalie with me. I just send Natalie out to the crowd and she takes pictures and she knows what looks good. So yeah, you know, she knows what to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway. So uh, you've been in business for how long now? How long have you been doing this? Well, I have actually been full-time performing and speaking, mostly doing comedy magic, but I also speak. And I've been doing this full-time for 28 years. Wow. But I did it before that, too. And I used to tell people, you know, when I got to 20 years, I used to say, I've been doing this for 20 years, and it sounds good. And then when you say 25 years, that's, that's okay. But once you get beyond that, you sound like an old guy. Yep, yep. So it's really not good. Say, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for 57 years. <laughs> yeah. People don't want to hear that. I, I, I remember being at 15 years and saying, man, I can't wait till I get to 20 because that'll sound really good. And now yeah. I just tell people I've been doing it since 1996, and I'm looking at people in the audience. They're like, man, I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So man. it's really it, – it, it starts to be counterproductive. Right. So I just kind of stopped at 25, and I just say more than 25 years. Yeah, there you go. So There you go. Yeah, So exactly. how much do you spend on the road? Are, are you on the road constantly like we are? Do you – do you travel out of out of country? Are you mainly in the U.S.? Uh, I'm in mostly in the lower 48. Okay. I have worked for Carnival Cruise Lines, uh, did uh, quite a number of, of uh, stints on the ships, and have worked out at the uh, the Magic Castle uh, two or three times and done you know week long stints out there. Uh, but a lot of my stuff is corporate after dinner banquets and conferences as well as church events and uh, christian conferences so that, that that's the main two things now of course with the virus um you know i had lots and lots of things lined up that have been uh, put on the back burner just because people can't uh, can't do that necessarily you know during that time but all that's over soon so uh, all that stuff will come back and, uh, and that's all good. But that's that, those are the two main things that I do. So uh, what about Carnival Cruise Lines? What route did you have? Did you have the same route every time or did you go different places? <laughs> no, I, normally, typically, I would uh, sail out of Miami. And there was a, there was a week-long uh, cruise that was actually three days and four days. 
So you'd have your Monday through Friday crowd, and then on Friday afternoon they would get off, and a new a new um, crew of passenger or group of passengers would get on Friday, and they'd get off on Monday. Then you'd have another group. So we would do Freeport, Nassau, Miami, Freeport, Nassau, Miami, and it was like a circle. Then there was another one that went straight down, that would go to uh, down toward the St. Thomas area and on to some of the islands out that way, and then down to Caracas, Venezuela, Aruba, or then Caracas. And then the other ones would go out the other way to Jamaica, uh, Cayman Islands, and Cozumel, uh, Cozumel, Mexico. So those those were the ones that I did. did you, and I did... worked the Tropical, which was a kind of an older ship. And then I also worked the Fantasy, There were, and the Holiday. There were different ones that I was on. But the Fantasy was one of the at the time it was a brand new big beautiful ship with 2600 passengers and 900 crew members that was a monster wow wow did you did you love the cruise ships people either love it or hate it how did you feel uh i i did both because it was exciting at first it was so exciting to be out there i was what i was what's called a fly on act okay so I could be sitting in my living room on Thursday, get a call from the director, the entertainment director, who would say, hey, are you open this weekend? We need you. Yeah. And uh, you get overnighted an airline ticket. That night, you're out in the middle of the ocean entertaining on, in a theater with 1,200 people and doing your own show at midnight. And Monday morning, you're, you're back in your living room again. It was weird. It was like, did I dream that or, yeah. or what? Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. So, uh, what about- but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I had some of the best audiences. I mean, they, they're on the ship to have fun. They're already relaxed. Yeah. They, they, you know, they're just so happy to be out there, and uh, and you just come out and man, what a what a great great place to entertain because they love entertainment. They want to entertain. But um, they're prime, had a friend man. on there. They're prime. There's no egos. There's no anything. They're just they let their hair down when you're. At a corporate event, you know, you still don't want to go too crazy and laugh too loud or snort or something because the right. boss might hear you. But on yeah, that thing, yeah, man, people right. just let loose. Yeah. They, yeah, they let loose. They were they were like, on the Monday-Friday thing, they were a little more um, uh, timid on Monday night because they were, if you think about it, they weren't 1,200 people that knew each other. They were like uh, 600 couples. So they were still a wonderful crowd. But by the time you did your show on Friday night, it's like it was like they all knew each other. It was like a big family. Wow. And the Friday night show would just go gangbusters. I mean, it would just be wonderful because they <laughs> they were already having fun when they came in there. So so we had that. And then once in a while, now I, I worked a show with a comedian, and I don't know what happened, Wes, but they just didn't like him. <laughs> and he was doing his jokes up there. He was doing stand-up comedy, and they just didn't like him. Yeah, that's... that's... And he did the best he could, uh, but he could tell it wasn't going well at all. And I'll never forget his final, his final comment at the end of the show. He held his hand up in the air, and he said, Thank you very much. You've been a car payment. Nah. And... <laughs> That's hilarious. That was maybe his best line all night. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. It was pretty amazing.
<laughs> yeah, you know, to watch somebody uh, flail around on stage and have the audience turn on them, and to watch that gives you the flop sweats, gives you the... It, it hurts you to watch, you know? That's that's the yeah, worst. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And, and, and it kind of lets you know just how vulnerable we are to, to get up there and face a crowd and, uh, and not only that, but win them over and entertain them for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. Um, and, you know, I tell you, when, when people are pricing us and they say, well, you know, you know, how much, you know, do you charge to do this? And I think some entertainers don't realize that what we can do is, uh, very much needed. We, we have a skill that very few people actually have. Most people would just die before they would get up on stage. Right. And here we are coming in to a whole room full of strangers that we don't know. And in 30 seconds or a minute, we're supposed to win them over, have them love us, give them the best time of their life. And, and it is worth the price that we pay. And I think entertainers need to recognize that. Well, Jerry Seinfeld has a thing. Uh, I don't know if you remember that line or not. I'm, I'm going to murder it, but I'm going to get the gist of it. But it's uh, one out of ten people have a fear of public speaking. And uh, also on that list is uh, a fear of death. But public speaking ranks higher. So people would rather be dead than be on stage, and he makes it funny. But, I mean, that's true. I mean, it's, I think it's, I do. I think I know. I'm murdering uh, that. If that I joke, remember it but, right, yeah, if I remember it right, he said something like, in that case... Uh, most people would rather be in the casket than deliver the eulogy. There you go. There you go. I told you I was going to murder it. <laughs> but, I mean, that's true. And and people... That's true. And even the entertainment directors. I mean, they, they can give you pointers and tips and the marketing people and the, the people running the events and things. But let them go up and make one announcement. They can't... A lot of them just can't talk in front of people at all. That, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you, you see what happens at events where the stage is run by the people who are running the conference. They're making announcements. They're, they're trying to say little funny things and stuff, and it's just, you know, they get little smatterings of applause and little, little chuckles here and there. And then you bring somebody up that really knows what they're doing, and they just slay the audience for an hour, turn it back over to the other people, and it goes right back to the way it was. So that's, that's what we do. And it is a very specialized skill, and so I think entertainers need to know, they need to be brave and bold when they say, this is my price, because you're doing something that everybody can't do. So what about your, um, your you're absolutely correct. I'm just on to the next question. Sorry, bad, bad host here. What about your, um, <laughs> what about your gig at the Magic Castle? Uh, you told me about celebrity run-ins and things, man. Uh, I've never worked the castle. Although I've been told after full lust, you know, I'm a shoe in. I, I just have to talk to Jack Goldfinger and he'll get me in or whatever. But Corona time, so I'm waiting to after all this is over. I'd love to do the castle, man. How was it? Oh, I tell you, it's it's like walking into living, breathing history. Yeah. It it gives you such a if you didn't already love the art of magic and the history of magic. I mean, to walk in and to be in these places where um, Di Vernon lived, you know, where Charlie Miller was, and I mean, where so many of the great magicians have have been and, and is the hub of magic around the world, and to to perform in the parlor where all these people have been, 
I'm telling you what, it is just uh, absolutely amazing. And yeah, I got a lot of stories to tell you, but you know, you know who Billy McComb is, right? Sure, yeah. Natalie, he made Billy McComb. Billy, oh, okay. Yeah, he was one of the greats. He was absolutely one of the greats. And, you know, when you work the castle, I don't know if it's that way now, but the way it was then, and it probably is, if you, you, you do seven nights, so it's a, it's a nine-day trip, you know, out and back. And I had seen him, and he, he had heard that I was there, and things were going really well, and he kept telling me during the week that, uh, he said, I'm going to come see your show. I'm going to come see your show. Well, you, you're scheduled for 16 shows, uh, but... Actually, I guess you're, yeah, you're scheduled for 16, but um, on the, like, Monday through, Monday through Thursday, you probably are only going to do two shows a night instead of three shows a night. And so on Sunday night, also, you're not going to do all three shows because people have to go to work. So Friday night, Saturday night, you're really doing three shows. So anyway, it came to my very last show on Sunday night. Billy McComb had not made it to any of my shows. And it was late Sunday night, so I had like a twelve fifteen, you know, in, like late at night, twelve fifteen show. Billy McComb came strolling in, sat down on the front row. Uh, well, there's a manager there that tells you whether you're going to do the show or not, right? So if you don't have enough people, you don't do the show. He sat in the front row. Wow. And, and the manager just said, nah, we're not, we don't have an audience, so we're not going to do it. So I told Billy, I said, you know, Mr. McComb, sir, I'm very sorry, but they've canceled the show. We don't have an audience. It's Sunday night at 12.15 in the morning. Years later, it dawned on me. I should have done the show. Wow. <laughs> I should have done the whole show for Billy McComb. Yeah. That's what I should have done, Wes. Yeah, but that's hard, man. Why did one I person? not do that? But one person? Huh? One person? If it was two or three, I could get it. But one person? Well, if I had done the show for Billy McComb... He would have written me up in the magazine. He would have talked about that to everybody in magic. Well, yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. have become an instant celebrity because <laughs> I have all these different people in the audience that do all these different things, and I should have had Billy McComb do all of them. Right. <laughs> wow. And he would have never forgotten it. Nobody would have ever done that. But I just, you know, said, I'm sorry, we're not doing it. And he said, that's okay, and he left. So I, I missed out on a great opportunity to do something for Billy McComb that he would have never forgotten. And it's really late now because he's, he's already gone. Yeah. Um, Natalie and I went there on our honeymoon, and, man, we had a blast. We loved everything about it. Uh, I got there super early, like uh, like noon, just to, yeah. <laughs> just to check in, make sure everything's open tonight. What's, what's the earliest I can get here? Okay. And then we went down to uh, Chinese Theater and just walked around and just wasted time to get back up there. We were, uh, we were in awe. We loved it. We were excited. Yeah. It was fun. It was a neat experience. Isn't it wonderful? It it's was. Just, it's, just, it's just amazing. And you don't know who you're going to see. I, I, I stayed at a hotel nearby where I could walk over. And I was walking over one night to do my set. And I was going to eat dinner over there, which they would provide you with dinner. So I'm all dressed up, you know, like in a tux or something. And I'm walking across the parking lot. I get to the entrance of the castle, and this big yellow car pulled up in front of me. And the guy rolled the window down, and he wanted to know if he could get into the club. And I looked down, and it was um, it was Michael Richards, who who you, you would know as Kramer on Seinfeld. 
in a big yellow car with this beautiful girl that would have never been with him, probably, if he wasn't Michael Richards. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. And wow. he said, um, "He said, can I can I get in? And the way it works is, if you're performing there, you can have uh, a certain number of guests." I said, "Absolutely, you can pull up to the to the front door." And uh, I went in to tell him that I had a guest, but Michael Richards was wearing blue jeans. Oh no! And they did not allow you to come into the castle with blue jeans. There's a very strict uh, dress code, no matter who you are. So I had to go out and tell him that. And once again, you know, I, I should have just, it's hard to think on your feet when you're under that kind of pressure. I should have just given him my pants. <laughs> well, they have ties you I can borrow, just, but they don't have extra, extra pants there. Yeah. I, wow. I should have just run back to my room and, and gotten a pair of pants. He could have used them as like, you know, high waters or something. But <laughs> anyway, wow. he was a very nice guy and he, he gave me, I gave him my card uh, as you would, you know, but here, here's the thing, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when he rolled the window down to talk to me, I leaned down and you know, Wes, how you, you, if you're in the business, you want to say something intelligent to other, other entertainers, you know, to let them know that you also are an entertainer. Right. You follow me on that? Oh, yeah, you want to, yeah, yeah. you want to use the right lingo. You don't want to be another, right thing. you don't so, want to be another layman. No, you don't want to act like a tourist, right. a layman, something like that. So when he rolled the window down and, and, and asked me if he could get into the castle, I remember sort of leaning down. I had both hands on both knees looking in the car, and this is what I said. You might want to write this down. I said, I know you. That's what I said. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> So I, He'll never I, forget I did that. get a bruise from saying that uh, on the top of my head, just from my right hand palm, as I hit myself numerous times for the next three or four days. That my response to Michael Richards was, "I know you." He'll he'll never forget you. Uh, I'll bet. <laughs> Oh, no, when, wow. when he sees me next, he'll say, aren't you the guy that said, I know you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've never forgotten that. It's really amazing. It changed my life. So uh, as far as Natalie and I, we are just so happy and, and jumping up and down telling everybody we signed the television deal with Jewel TV. And as I'm looking through your stuff, it's old hat for you, man. Tell me about the television show that you wrote and appeared on. I wrote a television show called The Truth Shall Make You Laugh. And it, it came, the title came from a book that I wrote called The Truth Shall Make You Laugh. Oh, that's <laughs> so, true. That's true. Yeah, so I had that, and I also had a, a comedy CD called The Truth Shall Make You Laugh. But the television show that I wrote uh, has a Christian theme to it. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Christian stuff out there that I really don't like because it just, I don't know, it's just like it's geared just for that audience. And if you're any other audience, you're not going to watch it. And I wanted to make something that was fun and funny and entertaining. And we also have a few minutes where I can, you know, deliver a message through that television show. So I wrote like a, like a stand-up monologue. I want it to be like a talk show. So I had a, have a monologue. We created um, videos for it and all kinds of crazy comedy. 
and stuff in there. For example, uh, I would say we actually had a live uh, live audience in the in the studio. It was shot near Nashville, Tennessee, and so like, I would say things like, um, uh, "Let's." Let's take a look at our live audience, and and I had a feed, a video of like this massive crowd, like at a rock concert. So it looked like that was our live audience. Uh, or I would say, want to say a special thank you to all the writers, and we'd shoot a video of some monkeys that were like hopping around. <laughs> so we just we just did stuff on the show that nobody would ever do, that nobody would ever think you would have, like on you know on a Christian television station like that. Now is that, uh, so that can I get that on YouTube yeah. or anything? I don't think I have that on YouTube. Okay, okay. It was shown on it was shown uh, on on that network, which was uh, WHTN, and then also all the affiliate programs that were all through Middle Tennessee. But then it also got aired on Directv, so that was a national um, broadcast that it got and really only did two episodes would love to do lots more episodes but when you go into a production like that it is all out of your pocket and then once you have it produced then you've got to buy airtime so it really it, it would take a long time and a lot of money to create an audience uh, that would eventually pay for itself by selling products or selling ads or whatever and i just didn't have the I didn't have the backing for that, so I'm learning I really so much about. Yeah, I'm learning so much about television just with the deal that we have, and I can tell you more about it off the air. But it's 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 shocking to find out that you know all these people have to pay for their show and everything comes out of pocket until they start making That's something right. back. So yeah, it's crazy. That's right. It's crazy. That's right. That's um, exactly right. Like yeah, I hired a producer, and um, I didn't have to hire a producer, but I did. I hired a producer, and that cost a lot of money. And then the show, and then the editing, and then the buying the airtime. So it, um, yeah, you see television shows, and you think, oh man, they're raking in money. They're on national television. They might be losing money on national television. Yeah. You, you've got to create an audience. It's a race against the clock. So um, you were talking about the Christian theme and everything. You have a religion degree, right? <laughs> I have a religion degree. Yes, I do. I have a Bachelor of Arts degree in religion from Mars Hill University in Mars Hill, North Carolina. And, um, you know, I was listening to a radio program one time, and they were giving out the most useless degrees, the top ten. And they started with ten, and they worked their way up to number one. And, you know, they didn't mention a bachelor's degree in religion all the way up to number two. And then uh, I got top billing. <laughs> so, I don't know what a bachelor's degree in religion does, uh, but it's it, it's what I wanted to study, and yeah, I do have a degree in that, and I do speak a lot. I, I do I, I do a lot of speaking and stuff in churches and Christian organizations and things. So it's not a bad thing, but it uh, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't open up grand doors. Magic is what it does because I have one too. <laughs> you have one too. Congratulations! <laughs> but what, what, what it does if you have a yeah, if you have a bachelor's degree in religion, what you do is you go become a magician. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. She graduated right. and she That's said, what am I going to do now? I'm going to work in a church basement? Can I come work with you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was a great experience. It and is, it I'm, really I'm glad neat. I did it. Yeah, it was It was a neat, a lot of neat classes that you take. And, and 
I, I tell people it, it just affirmed my Christianity. I, I, it made me realize that I was on the right path after studying all the different ones, the other religions that are out there. It kind of affirmed what I believed. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do once I graduated. So I was like, hey, right. <laughs> this should be right. fun. Do you mind? <laughs> Luckily, he said, no, come on. So. Yeah, come on. Yeah. And it really wouldn't be uh, worthless uh, in that way. It's not worthless. Certainly what you learn is not worthless. But uh, the, the way to do it, if, if a person wants to go in that direction, is that you don't stop at a bachelor's degree. I mean, you'd go on to seminary and you'd, you'd get, uh, you know, certified and all that sort of thing right. with your with your MDiv. And, and then you can getting to work in that field. But it, getting a bachelor's in that field is kind of like getting a bachelor's degree in psychology. Either you go all the way or you don't start because you can't really do much with a bachelor's degree in psychology. You've got to go on and get your get your PhD or whatever you get to to actually work in that field. So that's what people need to do. Don't go halfway. Right. So are you also a member of the FCM, the Fellowship of Christian Magicians? I uh, I actually lectured for the FCM. I think I've let my membership lapse, but I, I have been, and I actually lectured for the FCM this past uh, July, I was supposed to uh, do the opening session for the entire convention. Oh, wow. And, of course, we know what happened. That that got postponed, and I ended up doing it virtually. Okay, all right. You know. Well, there you go. Well, um, being on the road and everything, what is your your favorite stuff about performing? What's your favorite stuff and the stuff that you hate about performing? Oh, that's a good question. Where you come up with this stuff, Wes? Hey, uh, I don't know. I, hey, this uh, this just came to me. <laughs> it just came to you. <laughs> there, I can say this. There's there's one thing that I like about performing that overrides everything else because you know during the day uh, it's it's stressful. You're just you're dressed down and you're in the lab or you're in the the banquet facility and you're checking the sound. And your people that you've communicated with about how how to get the stage set up right in the front row, no further than five feet away, and keep everybody in a tight group and all that stuff that you talked about is not communicated well to the people that are setting up the room. So the stage isn't on the long wall. It's down on the short wall. And the front row is way too far back. And the people are spread out too far. And, you know, just a, just a thousand things that can go wrong. And it's it's frustrating. I mean, I don't like that part of it. Is is getting it all ready, and then you're supposed to be on at seven thirty because they're going to eat dinner at six thirty. But at seven thirty, you know, they're just finishing up the salad, right. and so things are going to run too long and too late. And then you know somebody gets up to speak, and it goes too long. And by the time you're finally up, your audience is worn out, and then you really got a challenge to win them over, which is which is our job. So all that stuff really, I think it takes years off your life to just go through that every time and wait. And I don't like that. But when you get up on the stage and you you do your opening stuff, your opening lines, and you win the crowd over. And it goes awesome, and they're laughing, and they're applauding, and all this adrenaline is going on. 
it's kind of like all of that doesn't even matter. You know, all that, all the pain and the suffering and all the stuff of waiting and, and dealing with people who are late and who just don't do what they say they're going to do. To have a to have a show go so well like that, it just negates all the negatives to it, and you just think I would do that again every day. You know, I guess I don't know. I guess it's kind of like childbirth, you know, all the pain you go through, and then when the baby's born, you're like, yeah, it was worth it. I guess that's the way it is. All right, sorry, I don't know what happened there. But anyway, you were saying it's uh, you're on stage, it's awful, sitting behind the curtain for forever, but then you're out there, and it just feels so great. Um, that's exactly right. And you, I think we just remember, we just remember why why we do all this, you know, why why we do all the marketing, why we do all the work. You know, while we wait on people, it, it's all, it all just pays off on stage. And if you haven't ever experienced being on stage with hundreds of people looking at you and laughing and applauding and having a great time, then you, you can't, you can't explain it. It's like people that have jumped out of an airplane and they, you try to explain it. I've never done that, but they just say, you just have to experience because what are you going to say? Oh, the wind was in my face. I could see forever. Well, that's true, but we all know that, right? You got to jump out to experience it. So that's that's what I love about it. That's why I keep going because I just love performing. See, I and I could tell that you are a performer and that you do have a passion for it, and that's why I fell in love with you, dude. It's it's awesome. Now, I appreciate you, you that. have the you have the religion degree, but your marketing is awesome your marketing ability and your your stuff that you're setting up and your 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 marketing to sell your marketing stuff you're right on point man do you have a marketing background at all or is it just a trial and error it's uh it well it it was trial and error for a long time and if you remember back in 2007 when everything crashed um and you may find this hard to believe Wes, but in those days, when when everything crashed and the stock market went down and all these businesses went out, um, magic uh, was no longer at the top of people's must-do list. You know, entertainment wasn't the t- wasn't the top thing on people's priorities. And I, I like before that, it was easy. The phone would ring. It would be some guy. Hey, are you open? You know, how much do you charge? And so we'd have the conversation, and they would just say, "Put me down," and it was it was easy. But when all the all that happened, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, it got harder and harder to do. And I, the things that I was doing wasn't working anymore. I didn't know what to do, and I could I could talk for an hour about it or ten. But I hired a marketing coach. And since then, I've hired numbers of marketing coaches uh, for different for different aspects of marketing. But I hired a marketing coach, and I dived in to a new way of learning, of communicating, and of marketing the business. And I spent a ton of money. Like, I could have bought a brand-new pontoon boat for what I spent on marketing. And so I was in these uh, one-on-one sessions I was at going to West Palm Beach, Florida to mastermind groups. I was in two, sometimes three classes uh, per week. I actually had to do daily accountability and report to my coach every single day. 
it was intense marketing. Yeah. But, you know, what I learned from that, and we, we would have a one-on-one call that might go 40 minutes. And out of that 40 minutes, I might get one or two gold nuggets of things that I should do what I should stop doing, what I should start doing, you know, what, what my priority should be. And so I spent a lot of time and a lot of money getting that, but it turned everything around. In fact, what I do today has really comes from the foundation of what I learned through those, I guess, two and a half years of that intense marketing coaching. So I was lecturing magic at Cadabra about a year, I guess, after after I had been coaching. And I just told the guys, there was probably 150, 200 people in that room, and I just told these guys, I said, look, this is what I've done. I have learned a lot of new things about marketing, and I want, I'm willing to share them with you. Those of you that would like it, you can sign up back here. And I offered a course that was inexpensive. Um, but I said, for those of you that would like to do that, you can sign up back here, and I'll take you. And, and that is what began... Uh, what is now the Entertainers Marketing Academy, which is a program. It's a digital program that involves 12 audios and a colored manual that takes you step by step by step what to do from the ground up in your marketing to book yourself out um, as an entertainer. And primarily the language is written to you as an entertainer specifically magicians, but it, it doesn't matter, really, variety arts of any kind. Um, and so and so I started teaching them, first of all, at teleconferences, and then I would just email people the pages. And then later it, it um, evolved to a three-ring binder. And then about, I don't know, several years ago, I rewrote the entire thing, re-audioed the whole thing, and um, and and that's where we have the the most updated version now of uh, of the Entertainers Marketing Academy. People can actually go check it out at entertainersmarketingacademy.com. dot com. Got a got a website for it. And I tell you, it's uh, what 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 people learn there is what I do today. It's what it's it's what it's how I, I do business. It's what I've learned there. And you know, I would get a forty minute coaching session. And I would get two gold nuggets. But when I created Entertainer Marketing Academy, it's just one gold nugget after the next. Yeah. Without without all the all the chit chat and stuff that you know that, that we had to do in order to get to the gold nugget. So it is it is highly concentrated, uh, valuable information. But that that's what Entertainer's Marketing Academy is. And it's not just for beginners, it's for people that have been in the business uh, to get even more nuggets out of it. That's the one you were doing the Facebook Live thing and just talking about it and giving some uh, – you were giving some nuggets of the nuggets on the Facebook Live thing. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah. I love yeah, the story it, about right. um, Tom Mullica and going an extra mile. That that means the world because that's, that's so true. Do you remember that story? Tell me again. Uh, if you'll start me, I'll remember no, it. Yeah, the, the gas, uh, pouring a beer. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, absolutely. Because – because now, now what you're talking about is a uh, is about performing, is about performing and doing a great show and going the extra um, mile. Go, yeah, going the extra mile because there there's not a second in his show that's wasted. Every tiny little everything he does has a reason. You're never standing there looking at the audience like, well, 
What do we do? To, and now for my next trick, you know, there's none of that. Uh, it's it's all it all it has a reason, has a purpose. And I, th- I think that's the way shows should be, from well, start to finish. They're polished. But what he did was he would uh, top off someone's beer. He would top off somebody's beer by reaching back behind him through a curtain and and bringing out a um, what looks like um, a gas pump handle. So it looks like you're pumping gas and fill the, the glass up with the, with the gas pump. Exactly. So he's actually obviously putting beer in their glass and then, uh, and then reaching back behind the curtain and hanging it back up. And then what I was saying was that, you know, it, that gag took about three seconds. But if you think about how long did it really take him to do that? Somebody had to say, hey, well, let, this would be a funny gag. Uh, and then they would say, well, well we got to get a gas pump from somewhere. We got to find a motor. We got to find some way to, to get beer to come out of this thing, right? We got to hang it up back there. <laughs> there was a lot of work that went into that. And, uh, he did a three second gag and got a laugh out of it. Well, you know, as an entertainer, you, when we're doing 45 minute show, uh, everything that we do needs to have a reason. It needs to, um, every little line, like when I perform, and I look back and say, where where did it get slow? Was there was there ten seconds in there where I was going from here to there that there wasn't something entertaining going on? And so I'll say, what what can I put there? Is there a gag I can put there? Is a line I can put there? What can I do to make this good? And that's the difference between a show that gets uh, three hundred bucks, a show that gets you know thirty five hundred dollars or fifty five hundred dollars, is that. It's like the difference between a $5 bottle of wine and a $1,000 bottle of wine. You know, one is, one is polished, one is, is seasoned, and it's just worth a lot more. So if people want their price to go up, their, the quality of the show needs to go up. But yeah, that's, that's a course, if you don't mind me saying, um, that I have called Killing It On Stage. Okay. You have you have Entertainers Marketing Academy, which is all about marketing, and then you have Killing It On Stage, how to slay your audience with comedy, gags, lines, structure, callbacks, segues, and a big finish. And that course is all about the show. So one is about marketing, one is about performing, and they're both they're both available. So I'll send you a link to both of them. And but you also have uh, stand out, communicate, and win. Right. I'm kind of a course creator guy, aren't I? <laughs> well, I mean, you got good stuff and a lot of information. And, you know, there's young people coming up and people think the Internet is so great for magicians, but it's actually people getting lost in the minutia. And you got a 13-year-old kid saying, this is how you do the trick. And no, it's not. You're teaching it wrong. And you're actually, yeah. you're actually educating these people with not only history of performance, but... The work, the real work that goes into it. Buy from a professional. Really, Don't try to get yeah. these secrets for free from a 13-year-old kid from, you know, wherever on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Well, you really you really nailed something when you said that because, you know, people say, well, you know, why should you pay for information when it's all free on the Internet? Well, it, it may be all free on the Internet, but if you look up a topic, you got a choice of uh, 100,000 different things. So what a, what a program, a teaching, a course, a lecture does is that 
it selects what is valuable and puts them all in order and, and gives you a way to learn step by step by step so that you don't have to sort through all those kinds of things. Like if you can just take any topic, like if you wanted to learn, if you wanted to learn about fine wine, you know, we were talking about wine. I'm not a wine drinker, but if you wanted to learn about fine wine, you could spend thousands of hours on the internet searching for things. But if you, if you bought a course on it, it would teach you start to finish and you would, you would learn it in ever how many, any, how many modules there are. So it saves you lots and lots of time, you know, to learn something start to finish with a course. That, I mean, I've learned so much that way, and I, I want to teach people that way. And then I also do just plain old one-on-one coaching for people. I do that as well. Now, um, do they go to your website to sign up for the one-on-one coaching? Well, do you, do you have a what, what I would do that? Uh, on that is, um, is if somebody is, is an entertainer, um, they want they want coaching on either the marketing aspect or the, the making my show great aspect. Uh, they they would just they would just email me matt at mattfor.com and just they could just you know they, they can just mention that in the subject line if they want to. Uh, they they can put uh, you know entertainers marketing or they could put killing it on stage and um, I'll get back to them. You know that that that's the best way to do it. And then we'll talk. Awesome. Well, this thing is gonna live on the internet for forever because you know how podcasts are. But you mentioned that oh, yeah. you're gonna have a um, uh, something free for the folks today as well. You want to tell them a little bit about that? I have a what we call a one sheet. It's actually a one sheet is a term. It's sort of like a PDF downloadable, uh, and it's called Five Steps to the Money in Your Entertainment business. It's kind of a synopsis of five uh, actions. And uh, I have that. I'm happy to send it to anybody. Um, just mad at mat4.com and just type uh, five steps in the subject line and I will shoot it over to them. I'll just uh, attach it, download it, and send it right over. Now, the five steps, is that good for any entertainer or is that just magicians? Oh, that's good for any entertainer. Perfect. All right, cool. Any, any kind of entertainment at all. I got a. I well, got a no, I shouldn't say that. It's not. It's not designed for like acting and auditions and those kind of things. But it's good for any kind of a variety artist, uh, um, magician, juggler, ventriloquist, balloon artist, anybody that wants to book themselves out to do gigs. Awesome, man. So um, you got your DVDs. You got a lecture. You got courses. You got the free stuff. We did. We didn't talk about both DVDs. Don't you have two DVDs? I have a DVD that is called Six Minutes, and here's why it's called Six Minutes. When when you're really in the professional entertainment business, and they'll say, "How many minutes can you do?" and they don't mean how many minutes can you kill, because that's that's really my pet peeve is where people have got a three-minute uh, routine and they stretch it out to seven or ten because they're getting paid. You know, it's like, I got a 25-minute show and I got this three-minute thing, but I can stretch it out and make it seven. Uh, but they're not, it's not really good. Those other four minutes aren't really good. They're just kind of, they're just kind of killing time. And I hate that. I think it ought to be, if it's a seven-minute routine, you ought to squeeze it into like five. But... I have a, a routine that I've done for many years 
that uses a rope, a pair of scissors, and a ring. It's just ring and rope, stand-up comedy, magic. And it runs solid stand-up comedy, one-liners, and rope and ring and rope magic that goes six minutes. So it's six minutes that I can do anywhere. I can do it on stage for a 1,000 people. I can do it parlor for a few people. I can do it walk around. I can do it anywhere. And if I've got a rope and a pair of scissors and a ring, like when I say a ring, like a four-inch round ring, um, I can do six minutes anywhere for anybody. And so that's why I called it six minutes. And it is that, that, that rope routine and teaching that rope routine, which is taught in four segments. So you could just learn segment one if you wanted to, and you, you'd have something. But then you, know, you learn two, and you can add them. Put all four of them together, and it's got to be six minutes. Wow. Well, I don't have that that's DVD. That's what it's called, six we, minutes. We need to talk. I don't have that DVD. Because um, your other one is fantastic. And I bought Comedy a... Comedy routines. I bought a um, collection from a magician, and it had that other DVD of yours in it where you were doing the cut and restore tie and the, the comedy stuff. Yeah. And since I had a double of it, I gave it to a magician friend of mine, and man, he's just raving about it. I said, see, I told you, <laughs> this guy is awesome. So, yeah, I need that other DVD. That, that, uh, that tie thing is in the comedy routines DVD. And I tell you what, there is nothing funnier that you can do at a banquet than to get a guy to come up on stage, have him take his tie off, uh, fold it up in a piece of paper, have him cut it in half. And I mean, when you, you say, okay, you hold this in, I hold this in, and you pull your end, and the tie actually is in two separate pieces. Man, that, that is as funny as it gets <laughs> at, a, at a banquet show. I mean, it's hilarious. And then I, I tape the tie back together. Now, I used to just restore the tie right then and there, hand him the tie, and send it back. When you watch the DVD, that's the way I do it. But since then, I've changed that. I tape the tie back together with duct tape, and I hang it on a chair, and it just stays on the front of the, right around the side of the stage, right in front of everybody until the show is over. And then I call the guy back up, and then we, we it's, I won't go through the whole thing, but we pull the tape off, his ties back together, give it back to him. And that's actually how I finish the show now. When I do the, it's called re-gifted. It's called that because there's a place in the show where, where I cut it in half and I tell people that that um, I'm going to tape it back together. And then we, we fold it up and wrap it up in a piece of um, in a piece of uh, wrapping paper and put a bow on it and all that kind of stuff. But it's all visual. It's all right in front of everybody. It's so there's just no, there's no, uh, no special gimmick boxes or anything like that. It's just, you know, you've got a shoe box with the tie in it, the, the, the scissors, the paper. Uh, it's just in front of everybody. So they just, they can't see it. And it's just, uh, it's just one of my favorite things to do. That's great. Uh, on the DVD, Everybody was roaring, laughing. The guy was having a blast with it. It was it was a great routine. Really good. Really good. But when we're telling people how great your kits are and how great your courses are, and, uh, you know, hey, people, take this guy. I'm, I'm not just pumping him up because I can and because he's my friend. The dude's good. Uh, your contributors to success.com and entrepreneur.com, I mean, that's kind of them giving you a pat on the back. They're publishing your stuff as well. Tell me, tell me a little bit yeah, about that. I'm 
I'm a I'm a regular contributor to entrepreneur.com and you know in that I'm talking about marketing that's what I'm talking about I'm I'm talking about you know communicating communicating with people and 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 the problems that people have and over how to overcome them so that's what entre, entrepreneur you know is about what we do it's people who have who've stepped out and uh, and taken that scary uh, that scary step to say, I'm going to generate my own money. So when you really are doing this for a living, it's, uh, you have to take it serious. I mean, you can't, you can't talk about marketing in the theory if you're really making a living as a magician. It's got to work. You got to know what to do because we, likes and shares and all that stuff is not going to pay the bills. I mean, if you're doing, if you're performing for a living, you have to get checks so you can take them to the bank, so you can deposit them, and you can make your house payment, your car payment, and buy food, and take care of the kids, and all that stuff. So it's, it's about real marketing and really making a living doing what we love to do. So that's what I do with Entrepreneur. And that's what, that's what my layman friends don't understand, you know? Uh, how come I don't see you all over uh, YouTube and all over you know TikTok and all that stuff doing all those magic videos? That doesn't pay you anything. I'd rather be in the office. You know, I do have TikTok videos and YouTube videos, yes, but I don't do them on a daily basis and do four a day because I got to promote the show. I got to contact clients. I got to find new clients. That's right. It's uh, business is done. Business is still done person to person. You still, you still have to generate that lead and you have to follow up and you have to get people on the phone and you have to know what to do and how to close the sale in a win-win way, not like, not like a pressure kind of way, but in a win-win that you're providing for them what they need. But you've got to be able to communicate what it is that they need. And I'll give you a tip on that that I think will be a really good takeaway is that what we do is that we create value that exceeds the price. So when someone emails you and they say, are you open and how much do you charge? If you, if you email them back and you say, yes, I'm open and this is how much I charge, you can almost guarantee that you're not going to get that show because they do not know the value of your show. And if they emailed you and asked you, they probably emailed a lot of other people too. And they don't know the difference between your show and somebody else's show. So all they have is in their mind a concept of what your show might be worth. So if you say I have $500 and they got another magician that's $300, another one that's 1000 one that's 15 and one that's 2500 they, they can't tell. I mean, they might look at some videos, but they, they're kind of going on, you know, whatever they think, whatever they can see, whatever there's in their mind. So we, we have to help people understand that what we're going to offer them is worth way more than we're asking for. It's going to create a benefit for them that far exceeds the price we charge. Absolutely, and that's just so important. That's a skill. That's like a separate skill that you have to learn in this business, and that's um, that's one of the things that I teach in Entertainers Marketing Academy. I mean, I've got the questions laid out and the explanations as exactly how to do that. There have been times when I'll go get my own course, the manual, and open it up and go over the questions. <laughs> so, how do I? What do I ask, and in what order? And how do I? How do I deliver this? So yeah, it's it's real world stuff. And the it's, number, not, it's not theory. I think the number one problem with magic shops and you know conventions is what's the newest trick? 
that's not going to get you the newest gig. Um, they, they don't teach how to market and how to follow through on a phone call. So I think this is desperately needed. We're running out of time. Can you give us your um, email address one more time, website, and um, we'll wrap everything up? Okay. Um, the email address is matt at matt4.com. And do you want me to spell it? M-A-T-T, and then the little at sign, and then M-A-T-T. And four is F like Frank, O-R-E like Echo. So it's not Ford, it's four. So it's Matt at Matt4.com. Awesome. Uh, they, yeah, they can also, and I think I sent you the, um, uh, the link, but uh, entertainersmarketingacademy.com. Uh, is uh, another site that they can go to to check that out. And then if they email me, Matt at Matt4.com, they can just mention comedy routines or six minutes and the um, uh, the simple steps to make money. Just They can just put five simple steps and I'll, I'll email them that. This was so awesome. We could do this another 20 episodes, Matt. We will have you on again. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking time out for us today. Just thank you for being cool. Thank you for everything, man. You were awesome. Well, thank you, Wes. Thank you for having me here. And I got to tell you, I didn't know for sure if I was going to do it. And I flipped a coin. I said, heads, I will. Tails, I want. And it was heads. And uh, actually, I did that. It was heads 12 times in a row. So I don't don't know how that happened. That's nice. That's that's (laughs) awesome. That's awesome. Well, stay on the line, man. I want to talk to you right after I finish out the plugs here. But uh, tonight tonight on Jewel TV, Episode 7 of Wes Isley's Magic Life. Uh, it's called Road Warriors. Uh, it's going to be at 7 o'clock. It's on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, and the Jewel TV app. It's in over 100 million households. You can find it. And our last weekend at Round Hill Farm in Culpeper. So uh, check Facebook for showtimes. And uh, see, see you next week. week. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Express Copy and Graphics. Mention promo code Wes Isley to get 10% off. Their website is expresscopy.com. That's X-P-R-E-S-S-C-O-P-Y.com. They do it all. Copies, banners, signs, vehicle wraps, promo items, practically anything you need printed, they can do it for you. These guys are great. Check them out. Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore Isley for behind-the-scenes videos, blooper videos, never-before-seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley, spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I.